youth pastor they're having an amazing time in Jesus name amen but I, I'm excited to report to you that six of our young people were baptized in the beautiful name of the Lord Jesus Christ can someone give God a shout of praise today he's worthy hallelujah 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 And he said, yes, that was with the parents' permission. Because I told him if he baptized kids without their permission, I was going to kill him. Metaphorically. <laughs> but it is so good. I'm so proud of what God's doing in our youth and in our children. Amen. Ah, someone shout amen. Come on, give the Lord a giant hand clap of thanksgiving one more time. He's worthy. Woo. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I'm so glad that all of our guests have joined us today. We are honored. You have a choice on Sundays, and we're thankful and honored that you would come and worship with us here at Pineview Church. We have so much going on. Things are happening in Jesus' name. We're going to see God's glory in this house. Amen. Me and my wife, Sister Lisa, the First Lady, uh, she uh, and I just got back uh, yesterday, uh, well, what day? Wednesday. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, Wednesday night uh, from the country of Columbia in our mission. And uh, today I wanted just to throw up a few pictures for you, and I'll be giving some more detailed report later in the year in September. But um, I am so excited. You have been with Columbia in this city, this area, the region of of Kali over across the mountain and into uh, uh, Armenia, uh, that uh, which is in Colombia. You have been in this area. We've been there for eight, almost nine years right now, I believe it is. And uh, we have seen so many great things. There are three vibrant, excited churches with over a hundred people each in them. And I just want you to give God glory for that. Amen. Ah. Uh, these pictures uh, will get better quality. I, I just sent them to Sister Sarah uh, just a minute ago. because. Uh, but this is my father's house. This is a little place in Columbia. We went to uh, verify. We're starting a, a shelter for children, a day shelter for children. And in a minute, I'll show you uh, pictures of some kids that uh, are so... Every one of these kids, we walk the streets of this neighborhood. And when I say uh, poor, uh, I don't believe there's a person under my voice that has experienced uh, the type of... of of lack that some of these folks have. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I saw a smile on every one of their faces. 
Every time we entered a home of a grandparent that was taking care of five or six kids, uh, their, their parents in prison or strung out on drugs or uh, in prostitution, I'm here to tell you that that grandmother uh, that we met smiled from ear to ear and she was so thankful that you allowed her kids to be ministered to on a daily basis. We feed them every day. We're helping them with doctor visits. We're helping them with all their whole body. Everybody say whole body. We're not just pushing, giving them money. No, no, we believe in the soul, the body, the mind, the spirit. We believe that we got to help all of them. We're educating them. We're giving them. 70% of these kids cannot read one iota. Most of these kids are refugees uh, in, from Venezuela and surrounding areas um, and are in need of, of great help. They hide. Uh, they won't go to school because they're afraid that they'll get uh, removed because they're, they're illegally. But I'm here to tell you, God is making a way where there seemeth no way. And you and I and this church body, along with the Chocantas and their ministry at Revive in Columbia, we are providing a lighthouse for this community. And I am so thankful. We have all Almost 100 kids signed up at this center, and I am so, so excited about it. Next slide. Give, give me it. Let me see here. Uh, this is a typical day uh, here in, uh, this was in Cali, this proper city. This is a, a, a Venezuelan lady who is uh, a refugee, but she, you can see, she was there asking for alms, and she had her children. And this is what we're commonly seeing, is that the moms have kids, and they don't want to leave them, so they have no way to go find a job or work. And so it is a horrible, vicious circle that's going on uh, in this area of Colombia, in Cali. Uh, Cali is a beautiful city, but it's a very, very, uh, uh, there's a lot of darkness there. And uh, so we saw uh, this, and, and, and this was just something of typical. We saw this a lot. Go ahead to the next slide. And uh, this is the, the, uh, the church. I must have sent you lousy pictures, sis. I am so sorry. Um, there, uh, the, the, these, uh, the, there, there's the handsome pastor right there. Here he is right there. Um, we had amazing church, and we, uh, it was wonderful, and God anointed me, and we just were able to minister. All three churches come together, and uh, we had an amazing service. That Next slide. Amen. I got to preach. Brother, by the way, uh, uh, Brother Henry Chokental, he's an amazing man of God. I love him so much. And Sister Jennifer, they are amazing. They're doing such an amazing work. And, uh, but we had so much fun. The elder home, we visited the elder home, and uh, they have an elderly shelter. We house about 15 elders that are off the street. These people, we've taken them out of cardboard, out of ditches, out of places that are just horrible and terrible. And uh, God has helped us to be able to help them. Brother Joe Carpenter and Brother Chris Smothers, they pay completely for this, and uh, they offer them things they do not have for themselves. And you are a part of that as well. Um, and it looks like they're going to be moving to a new home that we looked at. So we're looking forward to seeing what God will do. These people are, are just, uh, they have no family, they have no one. And uh, God has allowed us to go in there and to minister to them just a little bit as we minister to them daily through the other directors. Go ahead, next slide. Let's see here. This is the church again, people praying. And uh, this is the bus. Lord have mercy. This bus had 38 people. It was like a little bitty mini minivan. It had 38 people in this bus. And it was like, oh my word, I had to take a picture because, man, they were crammed in there, but nothing was going to stop them from the house of the Lord. And I, I was so excited. Go ahead. Uh, this little girl, she, uh, 
a lot of circumstances in her life. And uh, when I prayed for her, uh, of course, the language barrier, I told my wife, I will preach in Spanish. Y'all say in Jesus' name. See, it's, it's not about Jesus helping me. I've got to help myself, right? I've got to be disciplined and go learn Spanish. Um, I, I know poquito Taco Bell. I, I, know, I, I, know, I know a few things, like a burrito and taco. Yeah, anyway, I'll move on. But this young lady, she so touched my heart. She was so just willing the Lord do whatever he wanted. And the Bible says to come to him as a child. How many of you coming this morning as a child? Not with all the pride that we can gather up as we grow older. Not with all the stuff that we hang on, the worries, the trials, the preconceived ideas of who God is. But how many will come? Come on, raise your hand and say, Lord, I want to come as a child. Amen? Amen. Yeah, go ahead, next slide. We see, uh, we, we baptized uh, these people. We baptized seven in this, um, this in the jungle. It was... <laughs> in the river it was really a creek <laughs> but we baptized seven in the beautiful name of the lord jesus christ for the remission of their sins and they were so moved and uh this uh five of them were from the bread the church that we have began in Kali. and that church could not be there without your support we send them about twenty five hundred dollars a month right now and uh and we've been doing that uh, for the last little bit, uh, since January actually, to help this get off the ground. And I want to take a moment just publicly and thank Pastor Steve Warman and the church in Auburn Hills. Not only, f not only for partnering with us with this, they have been fast and steady partners in this particular project, but they also, uh, they're the ones that allowed our kids to join there. There's over 200 kids at camp today because, uh, Pastor Warman and the church in Auburn Hills and Pastor Hopper, they allowed us to join with them. Can you give them a hand of thanks? And yes, thank you, Pastor Warman, Apostolic Church of Auburn Hills, Pastor Hooper, and all his staff. Amen. Uh, they, uh, they are awesome, amazing people. You'll be seeing more and more. Uh, Bishop Baker will be back with us in a few weeks, and I'm looking forward to his ministry. Amen? So we're looking forward. So let go to the, I think there's one more. This is me and Henry and Sister Jennifer and Sister Lisa, of course. Uh, we're there, and we're just giving God glory before we left. And, of course, I've got the old English D representing. And, um, but anyway, God's good. Amen. Sister Sarah, is that the last one? Uh, go ahead. It's last one. Okay, yeah, you can close it down. So today, amen. Let's stand together. I want to read the word and uh, for just a moment. I won't be long this morning, but um, I, I, you're going to hear more and more about what's going on at this particular center. Um, we are going to be having a service uh, of commitment. You'll be able to sponsor a child. And the cool part about this is that we've partnered with a new group, and you're going to be able to communicate with that individual child on a monthly basis. You're going to be able to um, have them communicate with you, uh, giving the progress of what they're doing in their life. And uh, it's a, a group of people, one child, and you're going to enjoy uh, being able to not just give to something, but personally see their lives changed. How many are thankful for that? Amen? So what you're doing is amazing. Today I want to talk to you about a simple subject. Look at your neighbor and say, I need to stay focused. It's a simple subject. It really is. It's, it's really simple. We're in the middle of summer, and uh, if we're not careful, we will get out of focus 
and we will allow the summer to carry us away. It does every year, and it's good to get out and get away. We've been out and away. Lord, we just come back from Columbia. We've been to Mackinac this year, my wife's birthday. I believe in God wanting us to go and enjoy his creation and enjoy our time off. You know, the Bible says, and God rested. I think we should rest as well. Amen. So summer is so important in Michigan because we only get like three weeks of it. And... Uh, yeah, right? The other nine and a half, ten months are winter, but uh, we are looking forward to what God will do. But in the midst of all that, I still, I still want to remind us today about staying focused, focused. We are in a season of, of such upheaval and turmoil when it comes to politics and comes to uh, geopolitical uh, issues and, and economic issues and all everything is on edge. And I talk about this often because you're listening to the news or watching the news. One of the best things about going to Columbia is that me and my wife couldn't watch the news for 10 days. It was amazing. And uh, we, we couldn't barely communicate with anybody. And that was even more amazing. And uh, we actually got to hold hands and look at each other's eye and drink coffee. It was amazing. Um, but uh, you realize when you get back and you turn that TV on that you are inundated with negativity. You are inundated with the possibility of sudden disaster at any second, right? At any moment, the world will blow up and, and uh, wars and rumors of wars and, and, and natural disasters and political things and, and, and geopolitical things, all the stuff that goes on in the world. I want to just help you stay focused. So someone say in Jesus' name, help me stay focused. The Bible says in Philippians, it says this, a very familiar passage. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are what? True. Everybody shout true. That's a novelty in this hour. Yeah, that's right. Everybody has their own truth, but God's word says there's one truth. Everybody say amen. Whatsoever things are noble, that means that are, they're, they're, they're not lowly, they're not uh, corrupted, they're not uh, in a place of, of bad and negative. Whatsoever things are just, everybody shout just. We need justice in our world, someone say amen. Whatsoever things are pure, someone shout pure. Whatsoever things are what? Lovely. Whatsoever things are what? I told you this morning about some good things. I told you about God filling people with the Holy Spirit and being baptized in His name, about people coming out of darkness and into His marvelous light. You know why? Because we get enough of the bad. Hello, somebody. You've got to say, yes, Lord, and I'm going to. If there be any virtue and if there be any praiseworthy, meditate, think on these things. Someone shout amen. You may be seated. So I want to just uh, uh, relate a small story that um, I think will bring home exactly the point that I am trying to gather in your mind and heart to take with you during this week. There was a gardener. Uh, his name was Matt, and Matt was a good guy, and he loved his garden. Anybody here love to garden? Amen. We, uh, my wife and I love to garden, don't get a chance, uh, so our garden is not a garden, it's a weed bed. Um, but Matt, he tended this beautiful, lush garden filled with all kinds of vibrant flowers. One of the things I love about Columbia is that there's flowers everywhere, and you should see them. They're just stunning in their beauty, and, and uh, then the greenery, it's just, you, you got to go. Uh, but 
it, it was something that he, he planted and he tended and it was vibrant. It was, it was something he looked forward to every single day. He would come home from work and he would rise early in the morning and he would water this garden and prune it and, and, and fertilize it and carefully cherish each one knowing what each one needed. And one day he noticed a small patch in the garden, a small patch that got taken over, it would seem so quickly, by rampant ugly weeds. Has anybody had beetles in their yard and watched their yard disappear in front of them? You, you, you recognize very quickly, something's wrong with that patch of ground. And, and Matt, he recognized very quickly, wow, I have this gorgeous garden, this one I've worked so hard and put so much time and effort, and I have these crazy weeds. What's the deal? I, I've done all the things I'm supposed to do to keep weeds out, but yet I have these weeds. He recognized the thread and he made it his mission to root out those weeds. And they were ferocious, man. They grew so fast and, and it would seem like he'd pull one section up and they'd come up in another and he, he, he would try to kill them off with chemical and they wouldn't die. They were re resilient weeds. Matt became so focused on these weeds that he began to neglect the other parts of his garden. He would spend his morning not nurturing his plants, but pulling the weeds. He'd try to keep it from spreading. And rather than watering and tending his flowers, he was obsessed with those weeds. And as days turned into weeks, his beautiful garden began to wilt. His garden began to suffer. His flowers lacked water. The, bush, the bushes became overgrown. The fertilizer laid still. And the other parts of the garden just grew untamed. And the vibrant colors of those flowers they began to fade. One day, a friend of Matt's came over, and, uh, and he was surprised. He had been to Matt's before. They had had a, a time together and, and, and fellowshipping, and uh, he had seen his garden. It was gorgeous. He looked forward to being there that day, but today he walked into that garden, and he was shocked and surprised at the state of this garden. He asked Matt, he said, hey, Matt, why, why have you left this once amazing sanctuary to decay and rot. What, what is going on? Matt pointed at the patch of weeds and said, you see that patch of weeds right there? That patch of weeds has been just tearing me up. I can't get rid of it. And Matt went on a tirade about those weeds and how, what kind of weeds and how they spread and how they won't die and how they're resistant to even the most wicked of chemicals and how he pulls them up and he can't figure it out. And soon the friend, he was like, uh... Uh, you, you got a problem here. You got a problem here, Matt. He said, I've been so busy fighting off these weeds that I haven't had time to tend the garden, the rest of my garden. The friend gently replied to Matt. He said, indeed, it is important, I'm sure, to deal with those weeds in your garden, but you shouldn't allow those weeds to consume your entire attention. Look at all these beautiful plants, he said, that need your care. And yet, you've been focusing solely on that patch of weeds. You neglect the right things. The plant that brings so much beauty, joy, and life to your garden, you have neglected that to give your attention to the ugly, the negative, and the thing that is trying to destroy. Matthew's situation uh, is a lot like yours and mine spiritual journey. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. We 
as I've already stated, we turn on the news, we interact online, we see Facebook, we go to Twitter, we see all this. In today's uh, environment and, and, and culture, it seems like you, there's no such thing as a middle ground. You're either enemies or you're enemies. You understand what I'm saying? There, there is no a place where we can pray together like we should or talk together in common things because we have allowed things to separate us. We've allowed the weeds in the garden of God's world to take our attention away from the fact that our neighbors should be loved as we love ourselves, and that we should love people we don't understand and that we should care for people that we don't get and we should be available to the Lord's direction no matter who they are, what they look like or where they've been. God is calling this body of Christ to quit, stop, halt, the weed obsession in your life. If we're not careful, we will spend so much of our spiritual energy that we become unfocused on the true calling that Christ has sent to us in our lives. We are called to what? Seek and to save them that are lost. We are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. Not the neighbor I like, not the neighbor that looks like me. Jesus said, your neighbor. I don't care who they are, what they look like, or where they come from. Because if Christ died for them, then I've got to love them like Christ loved me. I'm going to preach right now. Because if I'm not careful, I will allow things in my life, issues in my life, to become the weed patch that I'm solely focused on. My sickness takes over my life. My uh, situation that I'm struggling with in my own spirit takes over my mind. Nothing else matters because I have focused on the thing that I should not be focusing on. Oh, I'm going to preach right now. Because if God is for me, then who can be against me? Uh, Matt, he decided to focus on the weeds instead of the garden. Uh, God is calling this pastor and this church and this body of Christ in this area to do what? Uh, to be uh, gardeners of his his garden and not to tenders to the weeds. God said that he's going to come in the last day and he will separate the wheat and the tares. He said that he will be the one that separates and judges and does all that. So guess what? Our job is not to judge. And this is like the fifth Sunday I've said these words uh, because I am preaching to the spirits uh, that are trying uh, to do things that God is not willing to let happen in the body of Christ. And that is to separate us, to bring a division among us because God is a God of love. God is a God of salvation. God God is a God that never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's a God that says, I'll pick you up when you're down. He's a God that will allow you. Oh, I need somebody to help me right now. He's a God that says, I don't care where you've been. I'll go there and I'll get you and I'll take you where God wants you to be. There has got to be in our own hearts and spirits the willingness to say, I am going to choose. Someone shout choose. To stop obsessing about the weeds. Stop obsessing about things that, by the way, I can do very little or nothing about. I'm going to worry about the things 
that I can do something about. In fact, I'm not even going to worry about them. I'm just going to start declaring the word of God over them. Because if you're not careful, weeds will overrun your mind and your heart and your spirit. You'll become discouraged and depressed and full of anxiety. But I'm here to say, be focused. Come on, get your focus right. Get your head right. Get your spirit right. Get your Holy Ghost right. Get into a place where you know that God is still on the throne and he's still in control. And no matter what, uh, no weapon that's formed against me shall prosper. Because there's always going to be. The Bible says few days and full of trouble. The worries are going to be there. Negative influences are going to try to come on. Sinful temptations will always be around. But if we become so focused on these distractions, we will risk neglecting the right things. The right things. The righteous things. Our relationship with God will be too depressed to pray. Can I get an amen? <laughs> We'll be too depressed, Pastor. What does that mean? Uh, you, you'll be so downtrodden that you won't even believe that God can answer or hear your prayer. So you stop relationship with Him. And our faith dwindles and our love for others ebbs away. Someone shout amen. That's why in Philippians 4, our text, Paul writes and says, Finally, 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 brethren... I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth here, right? Whatsoever things is true, noble, right, pure, lovely. Oh, if there be any virtue, if it's praiseworthy, if there be any praise, if you, what, focus, think on these things. The beautiful, the noble, the godly. Think about the things that God is doing for you. Today we could sit and talk to you about the poverty and I spoke briefly about that, but I did not allow the poverty that Lisa and I witnessed this last week uh, to be the name. I did not allow it to sit here and cry about where they're at, but I told you there's a solution, and God is bringing that solution, and we're helping with that solution. Why? Because there will always be the poor among us, but we have to understand that they're not poor just in money. They're poor in spirit. They're poor in their heart. Uh, they're poor in their whole life. They need... Uh, Oh, they don't need just your money. They need your prayer. They need your support. They need your kind words. They need the things that you can offer. You need to teach them how to start a business. we got to teach them how to read and to write and to have arithmetic. We've got to allow ourselves not to just throw money at the problem because money solves nothing. So today, we can... We can be like Matt, or we can be like the Jesus that I know you want to be like. We find a similar story from the life of Ezra. Ezra was an Old Testament prophet, and very, very briefly, we find that Ezra 9 and 8, the background of this is Ezra, Nehemiah and Ezra, the Old Testament. It, Jerusalem laid in ruins. It was literally, had been tore down by an army and had been totally burnt to the ground. And Jerusalem lay in ruins. Someone shout ruins. Ah, oh, there's so much here to unpack. I don't have time. But we are dealing in life with ruins, brokenness, things that look like they'll never live again. Ezra was the prophet. Nehemiah was the builder. 
Nehemiah is the one that had a sword in one hand and a, a, a trial in the other and they built the wall while they defended people off of them and Ezra was called to bring about God's word Ezra was called to tell the people to preach the word to teach them because you see it wasn't enough just to rebuild Jerusalem they had to rebuild the heart of God in Jerusalem and in my life and in yours, we can get deliverance and set free and we can have great church. But God is interested in changing hearts and not just minds. Hearts are when they turn. It's enough to say, Lord, forgive me my sin. But it's another thing when you walk away from that habit, that thing uh, that so easily besets you and say, not only am I going to repent, which means turn around, uh, but I'm going to be delivered from that thing and walk away in Jesus' name. I said in Jesus' name. So the negativity that might come can be defeated by only one thing, and that's the Word of God. So we see the background, the backdrop of this, what was written here in Ezra chapter 9 and verse 8. And, and in the midst of all of this horrid thing, if you read Nehemiah's account, man, all is... Uh, Jerusalem was just, it was a mess, man. It was crazy. It was, it was not one stone was upon another and it was just a mess. And we find that report from Nehemiah, but Ezra says this in verse 8 of chapter 9 when he is writing about this and to the people, he says to the people, and now for a little space, I'm going to show you a little space, grace hath been shown from the Lord our God. A little space of grace. A little space. Can I tell you something? Some of us want grace like it's a, a, a dispenser that we can just go and do whatever we want with that grace. That's not the way God set it up. That's not the way his word says. Now shall you continue in sin that grace may abound? What does it say? God forbid. Grace is something that God gives freely, but it's for a purpose and a reason. It's not just for our own use. Because grace is this beautiful thing that saves us in the midst of our Jerusalems that are broke down. Grace is this thing that in my life when, oh, everything is falling apart, it comes to me and it picks me up off the ground and it takes me in a place where God can minister to me. He writes and says, now for a little space, grace hath been shown from our Lord God to leave us a remnant to escape. Everybody say remnant. And to give us a nail in his holy place. That our God may enlighten our, enlighten, enlighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Ezra begins by saying, God has blessed us. I know we're still in bondage, but these chains does not mean I'm not blessed. Oh, I wish somebody would help me. He begins his prayer with thanksgiving. He doesn't say what I don't have. He repeats what I do have. He says, I'm not going to focus on the chains around me. I'm going to focus on the fact that I hold a promise that he's coming back and he's coming and he's going to remove the bondage from my life. Ezra keeps going. He doesn't uh, accentuate the negative. He accentuates the positive. Uh, he wants us to think about what God has done uh, and how God is going to help us. Uh, not all the stuff that our five senses records every day. And despite his many trials, uh, Ezra still has hope. And why is that? It's because Ezra had the right focus. 
three things Ezra focused on very quickly. You're going to find in Ezra chapter 9. Uh, the first thing was that Ezra focused on God's grace. I already mentioned it, but I, I'm going to say it again. A little space. You don't need, listen, Paul had trouble and there was a, 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 a thorn in his flesh that the Satan had brought to him. A messenger from Satan had brought him. Uh, and he said, oh God, remove this. And he said, uh, my grace, Paul, is sufficient for you. In other words, Paul, I know where you're at. I've heard your prayer, uh, but there's purpose in your pain. And I'm going to leave that thorn for a moment because you're going to get something greater out of this situation than the pain that you're suffering. Mm. My wife and I had to travel. Listen, we had to travel, get on an airplane, Delta, God bless them. And uh, we had to get on an airplane. We had four those four giant boxes with us. And uh, we, we first thing in the morning, get up in the morning, and the, the flight's canceled. First, I mean, we were barely out of our bed, and the flight was canceled. We're like, oh, because it throws off all the other flights, right? So we call, and they say, well, if you can get here in 30 minutes to the airport, and we're still in our jammies, man. And so we're, like, throwing everything in suitcases. We're like, come on, let's go. And so, man, we jump in the car and man, fly to the airport, get there just in time, get everything situated. We're laying in the chairs. <laughs> We get in an airplane, we fly to Atlanta. Guess what? The plane was delayed a little bit, thank God, because we were like, oh my God, we got to get to the next gate. You ever had one of those moments? Yeah, yeah, because I didn't know when the next uh, plane was going to Bogota. I didn't want to mess with that. Did you hear what I'm saying? I got four boxes that are 50 pounds a piece, and I ain't going to be carrying those to no hotel tonight. So we get on the airplane, we fly to Atlanta, right? From Atlanta, we're flying to Bogota, man. We're up. But we get, we get to Bogota, and guess what? I forgot everybody speaks Spanish. That was a joke. We're in an airport, Pastor. And, and we, we, are, we don't know. Do we, we're in immigration. we got to go through. And they say, you got to get your luggage. you got to get your luggage and recheck it in. This is... First point immigration, you gotta, so we're, man, we're, oh God, we gotta get those boxes. I don't have, I can't carry 50 pound, I can't carry four 50 pound boxes. I got my carry on luggage, I'm, you know, we're already fighting and man, we're sweating and uh, we're worried and fretting and, 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 and so we get downstairs to the luggage claim and the guy says, let me see your tickets from Detroit. I was like, oh, he speaks English, Jesus. Oh, God, help me. Thank you, Lord. You sent him like an angel just in time. You know what he said, Pastor Font? This is amazing. He said, Oh, no, you, you, you don't have to get those boxes. You're, you, you, you're checked in all the way to Cali, Colombia. And I said, well, they said I had to get my... He said, no, no, right here. You don't have to get those boxes. They're going to send them on through to Cali. I said, so I don't have to get these boxes? I don't have to recheck them? He said, no, no, you, you, whoever did this for you, they did it right because... They, they're checked all the way. Normally, you'd have to get them off and take them and get them checked out, and they'd have to know what's inside of them and all that stuff, and, and they didn't do that. So I said, well, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen. The truth of the matter, I want to give credit where credit's due. My wife is the one that wouldn't ask the guy, what are we doing? Why? He, was, he was the one that said all that to her because I was still panicking trying to find the boxes. Hola, hola. <laughs> Como estas? We bien. We bien. See, see, see. And I was just so frustrated, right? 
And then so we get, we get the boxes, and, and, or, or rather we get on the back on the road. We get the, in the security line. We get through security. We get right up to the, 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 and they say, you're the wrong line. I'm what? Yeah, we're gates 11 through 31. You need gates 1 through 12, and that's across the, I'm like, we got 10 minutes to get across. The, so guess what, man? We are just, whew, we are in Jesus' name. I didn't know how we made it, but we get on. They're closing the door. I'm, as, as the Lord is my witness, they're, they're last call, right? <laughs> we get there, we come, we come in, uh, uh, you know, everybody's just staring at us, you know, we're, uh, we're headed to Columbia and headed to Cali and these two gringos, I don't know what the problem is, they just couldn't speak to us and I was feeling so bad about not being able to speak the language, I was feeling horrible and, and I was wishing, man, I've got to fix this, man. God said fix this, so i got to fix this. And so I guess what? I'm going to start fixing it, Hannah. So we get there, right? Well, uh, in all in all, it took us about 16 hours on that one day to get to our destination. Why, but Pastor, why are you telling us this story? Number one, it's a really good story. Number two is because I had to stay hyper-focused that day. I couldn't be... We didn't stop for, we didn't eat all day long. Not one thing. When we got finally to Columbia, we were like dizzy and like, we were like, oh, we need something, some something or another because we hadn't eaten. Why? Because we were so focused that we forgot to eat. We were so focused about missing that plane. We were, fo- we were so worried that the next plane was going to leave without us that nobody could t- talk to us in the language that we understood. And man, we were just stressed out. And when we got so focused on the wrong thing, we forgot to take care of ourselves about the right thing. What are, what are you focused on? Is your health consuming you? Listen, my wife has fought cancer this last couple of years, and so I'm not pretending to be up here and act like you don't focus. Yeah, it takes your focus. But you can't let it take your focus forever because if you do, it becomes the thing that you live for instead of the thing you get delivered from. There has to come a point in our life where we stop focusing on the wrong stuff. Yes, when the doctor said cancer, it had all my focus for a few months. It consumed us. Studied about it, prayed over it. But at some point, Lisa and I began to talk. We got we to live. God has not called us to cancer. God has not called us to live in a shell that says we got to be fearful. No, he set us free from fear because perfect love casteth out all fear. And we got to move on because if we don't, then we're just going to live in a space where fear rules us instead of the love of God ruling us. I'm going to quit because I, I could keep going, right? I'm going to quit. Listen, God can do a whole lot with a little. All they needed was a little space of grace. In your life, you're going to find those places, and I beg of you that you stop. Elijah had a cloud that he listened to, and God let it rain. Listen, David, he killed the giant, but he wasn't taller than the giant or as big as the giant. He used a small, smooth stone. It's the little things you've got to take care of in your life. Jesus is calling you to a deeper prayer life. He's calling you to the important. He's calling you in this hour. You could be distracted by your own stuff, your own culture, your own things, your own feelings, your own whatever. You can fill in the blank there, your own disease, 
whatever it might be that is trying to attack your mind, your spirit, and your body. But I'm here to declare today that God is trying to set you right and say, focus on me. Peter stepped out of that ship, the Bible says. And when he was looking at G, hear me today, when he was looking at Jesus, he walked on water. Mm, I'm going to preach right now. But when he began to look at the waves and the wind that was around him, the Bible says he began to sink. Because when you get your eyes off Jesus, you're going to sink. Hello, somebody. And I'm here. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's simply this. If you pray, you're going to hear from God and you're going to get the right focus. It's that simple. If you allow God, oh, you'll face trials and tribulations. You'll have questions. But at the end of the day, if you'll cast off oh, the spirit of heaviness and put on the garment of praise and you'll say, this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Someone shout amen. Oh, come on, stand with me in Jesus' name. The second one I wanted to bring to you, but I won't preach it, and that is that Ezra focused on God's faithfulness to give us a nail in his holy place. Uh, there's a whole message there. The Lamentation says, though the Lord, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new what? Every morning. And he says this, great. Someone shout great. Come on, shout it, great. Uh, I need you to scream like you're on a park. Uh, hello, great is thy faithfulness. Some of you need to declare, Lord, uh, I know what I'm going through. I can see it. I can feel it. I can hear it. I can sense it. Uh, but I'm not going to let your word uh, ever leave my mind that it is more true than what I see or hear from the world. Uh, that great is your faithfulness. And third and lastly, we find that not only did he focus on God's faithfulness, but he focused on God's goodness. Someone shout, God is good. We sung about it this morning. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running. Well, the psalmist wrote and said this, what? That goodness and mercy shall what? Follow me all the days of my life. And I shall what? Dwell in the house. It's not talking about a church building. It's talking about him. It's talking about dwelling in Christ. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There is a place in your life and in mine that we must understand that it is important to adjust your focus to make sure that you are letting your words not be spears and swords of wounding others and yourself but you let it be a surgeon's knife to cut away the guile and the things that so easily beset you you've got to speak life someone say speak life <laughs> your tongue is so powerful when you say, I'm, I, I'm so terrible, I'm so, you know what? Your body starts believing it. Your mind starts believing it. You've got to say, greater is he that's within me. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. I fall down, but I get up again because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. And his grace is sufficient. And I'm going to do what he's called me to do. Not based on what I've done, but based on my calling from the throne room of heaven. So today, someone shout today. I'm challenging you. What will you do when you're out of focus? What has your focus been? Standing in Colombia, this message was born. <laughs> Watching people ride, literally. My wife has pictures and, and I, I, would, I sent horrible pictures. I'll get better pictures, I'm sorry. But there was a family of five, five 
five people. And they were riding on a one-seat motorcycle coming to the house of the Lord. Now, you'd have to see it to believe it. The dad had a toddler on the front of the tank, and she had her arms wrapped around his belly, and the mother had a baby on her back and a baby between them. (laughs) And the baby had a cast. She had broken her leg, and she had a cast. I'm thinking, this is so dangerous. This is, but they were, there was 38 people that said, I know the bus is too small. It was 94 degrees that day. No air. You saw the women. No, no, no air, right? No air anywhere, by the way. And it was, it, it was not a deterrent. Well, there's too many people there. No, no, no. They just kept climbing. They just kept going. They just kept, all right, next. <laughs> and they just kept pushing them. When they got back in for trial, I saw them. When they drove up, I couldn't buy it. I, was, I stood there literally with my mouth open. I was like, they just kept coming out of that side door. They just kept coming. They kept, I'm like, my goodness. But they didn't care. The Lord spoke to me. I'm sitting there. I put this video online. You can watch it on my page. And the band, they strike. And they start singing about... His mercy and His goodness. And I said, Stefan, you've been emotional today, man. My, <laughs> I sat there and I wept like a baby. God, it, it does. It's interesting, people. Listen, when you get out of your normal and you get into the abnormal, when you get out of your own headspace and you get into somebody else's headspace, when you find yourself in the unfamiliar, you begin to notice things about yourself that you didn't realize were actually happening. And I sat there and I wept. You see, I'm human. Someone say amen. We're all human. Someone shout amen. And there's been some worries in my life, some things I'm concerned about. There's been some things that I've fretted about. There's been some things that have tremendously bothered my spirit. And I'm sitting there, and the Lord speaks to me <laughs> like he only can do. And he said, if they can sing about this, you can too. And I couldn't sing because of my tears. Because I realized in that moment, my problems are really, they're not really big deal. They feel like it. And it doesn't mean they're not issues I have to overcome and deal with, but they're really, on the grand scheme of this world, God's been so good to me. He's been so good to you. But will you acknowledge it? Will you say, Lord, I'm going to stop focusing on everything I can't get, can't have. I'm going to stop focusing on all the stuff that seemingly is a problem in my life. And I'm going to step back for a moment and I'm going to say, Lord, you have been so good to me. The prophet stood with the young servant surrounded by the enemy and Elijah He prays a prayer. Lord, he's so worried. He's so fearful. He's so upset. All he sees is the physical realm. All he sees is the soldiers barricading this city. 
Lord, would you open his eyes? The Bible says that his eyes were opened and he saw a host of angels. Some of you, myself included, we have been focusing on what we can see instead of saying, Lord, open my eyes. Because when you can see into the spirit realm and understand that God is for you and not against you, that he has assigned an angel to you and he is with you always, even until the end, you begin to see things a little differently. Every time I go to a foreign field, I always come home with a very similar sentiment. Every time. Because it's like throwing yourself into a cold bath. It wakes you up. It gets your attention. It helps you to realize God's been good to me. Who here today, your focus has gotten out of whack? You've been fretting and worrying about things. And while it is important in your life, it's not eternal. Did you hear what I just said? The eternal issues is what I'm trying to get you to look at and deal with. It's your salvation. It's your soul. It's the sin that does so easily beset you. God has come to this house. If you're joining me online this morning, he's coming to your bedroom, your living room, your workplace. And he's telling you, I'm dealing with you today because your focus, I know you love me, I know that you care about, I know that you worship me, but your focus, your words have been negative, your spirit has been down, your focus, you're looking at all that isn't instead of what is and can be. How many here today are willing to say, Lord, I need you to change what I'm focused on. I need your Holy Spirit to open my eyes. Come on all over this house. Guests, we invite you, of course, feel no pressure, but I would love everyone, if you would, just raise your hands today and begin to pray to the Lord today. Come on, pray a prayer. Father, come into my heart right now. Lord Jesus, my mind is so tore up and confused, but Lord, I pray today in your name that you bring a focus, a laser focus, that you allow me to see that your goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. And Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit a commitment of dwelling in you. That Lord, you are with me always, even until the end. That no matter what formed against me, it shall not prosper. But Lord, you today, Lord, are going to heal me and touch me and deliver me from victimization. Deliver me from thoughts. Lord, that are negative and deliver me from things that are not of you, God. I pray today that the Spirit of God would convict you as, Lord, repent from your sins. Come on, do it right now in Jesus' name. Allow the Holy Ghost. Don't be ashamed. God's blood is covering you. His name is over you. He loves you. He wants your life to be changed and turned. But you've got to choose today whom you will serve. You've got to choose today. What is your focus? Are you going to focus on God and the good things of God? Or are you going to focus on the things that take you away from his presence? 
I don't know who you are today, but I want to invite you to this altar. If you're here today and you need prayed with and prayed for, I'm going to pray with you or pray for you right now in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you need to be full of salvation, the Lord is in the saving business. He can save you today. He can fill you with the Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues. He can fill your life full of joy and peace and understanding. So come on, step out. Oh, yeah. That is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Who am I talking to today? Who, who here, the Holy Ghost is pricking your heart right now? Come on, let God talk to you. Come on, you can get right what you need in your seat right there. Come on, just lift your hands and let those tears flow. Let God minister to you. You can come to this altar. Ah, God is a God the same everywhere in this building. Uh, but today, I'm going to encourage you, take a step of faith. Take a step of deliverance. Take a step of healing. Uh, in the name of Jesus, let God arise in your life. Lord, we thank you today for your word. That is who you are. Come on. Who needs prayer today? Come on. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. Oh, that is who you are. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Even when, even when I don't feel it, you're working.